Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. It's wonderful to be in God's house on Mother's Day, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Well, you say it like you're already asleep. I hadn't been up here yet. Come on now. Uh, on Mother's Day, it's always hard to, for me at least, to do sermons that are specific related to certain holidays. And a lot of times I, I used to balk at this throughout the years. I've been a pastor for coming up on 25 years, and so uh, it's something I've dealt with for a long time. The problem is, if I do a, uh, if on Mother's Day I, I don't do a sermon related to mothers, everybody wonders what in the world's wrong with that pastor. He didn't do a, He didn't do his job. He, he was supposed to do a sermon about mothers. And if I do do a sermon about mothers, then I have some people that will complain. Well, you know, he's, he just didn't seem like he was into it today. He didn't just seem like he was uh, really working hard at it and all that kind of stuff. And didn't seem like it, it was led of God because it was about Mother's Day on Mother's, uh, mothers on mother's Day and all that kind of thing. So you can't win either way. So I'm just going to go ahead and do a, a sermon about mothers today. But the problem I always had with doing these types of sermons is, is that I'm not a mother. I've never been a mother. I, and, and for years while, while I was sitting in the pew and, and listening to the sermons, I always thought while I was a little child, uh, you know, when I was younger, I'm not a mother. I'm not a father. At that point, I wasn't. And uh, so what does this have to do with me? It has a lot to do with us, each individual one. This, is, this sermon today is about a special mother, a mother that uh, did something very significant. And just because she's a mother, dealing with mother things doesn't mean these principles can't apply to you in your life, okay? So whatever the, the sermon is going to be about, it's going to be about you, whether you're a mother or not. It just happens that the main person that we're going to look at today is a mother and dealing with mother things, but this deals with you too, okay? So don't turn me off if you're a father or if you're sitting back there as, as a young person. Don't t- tune me out just because this happens to be about mothers. Uh, this is about you and me and all of us. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Now, I always, you know me, I always like the obscure stuff. I always like the stuff that you don't really hear about a lot. Did you know that First and 2 Samuel at, at, at first was uh, known as 1 Kings and 2 Kings? And 1 Kings was 3 Kings, and 2 Kings was 4 Kings. Because all of this was all considered one big book, and uh, it was all it was first, second, third, and fourth kings, because this is the time in which Israel is coming to a point of uh, uh, desiring a king, and this is the beginning of a ministry of uh, Samuel. And Samuel, while he is a uh, by many considered a prophet, uh, many others consider him the last of the judges. Now, what you have right before this is uh, the book of Judges and Ruth. Now, 
Ruth, by the way, used to be a part of the book of Judges until Ruth was separated out from the book of Judges. And it was also considered that Samuel was the last of Israel's judges because he acted more as a judge than he did as a prophet. But uh, Samuel did a lot of things that relate to being a prophet as well. And so that's why he was moved over to... uh, uh, His account was moved over to... uh, special book and it was like I said part of first and second kings third and fourth kings Um, but it was later then uh, renamed first and second Samuel so in uh, the beginning of first Samuel where we are today uh, first Samuel chapter one is about Samuel's birth and Hannah is his mother and Hannah's the person that we're going to talk about today Uh, there was a man from uh, Rathaim Zarephim in the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerom, and the son of Eliu, the son of Tau, uh, the son of Zuth, and an Ephraimite. And he w- had two wives, and the first named Hannah, and the second Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah was childless. And this man would go up from uh, the town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. And whenever Elkanah uh, offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, uh, Penea, and to each of their, her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion um, to Hannah, for he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. And a rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. And whenever she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way every year. Hannah wept and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah asked. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And Hannah got up after the aid and drank at Shiloh. And Eli, uh, and let, let's just hold on for just a moment here. Uh, this is a good place to stop. So here's the situation. You have uh, a man who has two wives. Now, we don't have uh, that throughout uh, the Scriptures where the, a man will have more than one wife. And it always confuses a lot of people when uh, we read in the Scripture of someone who has more than one wife. Now, it's very common for kings to have more than wife, one wife. And we see David and Solomon and other kings have multiple wives. But this is that, that's primarily uh, related to politics. Uh, uh, as we are familiar with that kind of thing in... Uh, the medieval times uh, in England, uh, it was the same here in uh, Asia where uh, this was taking place. You'd have a king that would uh, make treaty with another neighboring country and he would take one of the princesses as his, as his wife so that their uh, relationship with that other country would be bonded. And so we understand that kind of uh, how that works. But how does it work that somebody like Abraham has... Uh, 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 you know, all of these children with two wives. How, how is it that we have... Uh, 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 I, you have different situations where, uh, not Abraham, but you have uh, like uh, 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 
multiple wives with different uh, different people, and and the reason is is that uh, we get the clue from this in this situation. It's very similar uh, in this situation uh, where you have Hannah that is the first wife, and she's without child, she's barren, and what happens in this situation is is that uh, he marries uh, Hannah. Uh, Elkanah does and because Hannah does not have any children because she's barren she she's unable to conceive and the, the very important thing and this is what you need to be aware of more than anything is uh, it's vital for people in this time in this day and age to have a son to have a child to be able to have an heir uh, we saw in the news recently uh, over there in England where uh, the royal family had another baby and and it's all pointing to having an heir, to having a male heir more than anything, of having a child that will carry on the line of the family and, and in that case to sit, uh, possibly sit on the throne someday and to be the king. And so it, it's very important for people during this day and age uh, that, that Hannah is alive, that, that she have a child. And when she's unable to have a child, uh, he, he takes another wife. And this is why he has two wives. Uh, this is why there's multiple wives in this situation. And almost every other situation that we see this uh, highlighted in the Bible, uh, it is because of the fact that the first wife is unable to have children. And uh, we saw uh, this uh, with Abraham and Sarah. Sarah being unable to conceive. Sarah says, take my handmaid, Hagar. Remember? And, uh, uh, but this wasn't what God wanted. And this wasn't what God's plan was. And you, as a result, you have Ishmael. Uh, but God says, that's not the heir that I was talking about blessing you with. And uh, so that's why Abraham took a second wife, even though it brought discord in, in, in the marriage. And you have other situations where uh, that's the case. Uh, uh, one woman is married to the husband and she's favored but because she's unable to have children uh, they take on a second wife and this is to solely to bring about a uh, uh, an heir and this is why uh, Hannah is chided by uh Penea uh, is able to have children she has she's just spitting them out she's just having children and as a result uh, she she's getting cocky she gets uh, all up in Hannah's business uh, because Hannah's still childless and it's uh, it's Elkanah's practice to go and uh, to worship God in Shiloh. Now, this you have to remember. This is before the temple was built in Jerusalem. This is before uh, Jerusalem was even established as the capital of Israel. This is before kings, and so uh, Shiloh was uh, taken as a place where uh, the Ark of the Covenant was. This is where um, they were worshiping God, and this is where the temple was at this time. And you have to remember. Now, uh, who remembers Jesus and the woman at the well? 
It, uh, the woman at the well was a Samaritan. And one of the questions that she asked Jesus was, once she found out that Jesus was a prophet, she said, uh, hey, where, where do we worship? My, my kin folks say Shiloh. Why? Because the temple was there before the one in Jerusalem. But your people say Jerusalem. Why? Because that's the temple where it was then. And so uh, that's what, why the confusion later on when Jesus is uh, dealing with the woman at the well. Uh, there was a temple here in Shiloh at this time, not a temple in Jerusalem. This is where everyone worshipped. So Elkanah goes up to, uh, to Shiloh. He's there to worship. This is a personal practice that he has of going every year. He makes a sacrifice, and as part of the sacrifice, you then take the meat that was offered, portion of the meat, and you uh, either give it to the priest or in other circumstances you have a feast. And that's what he's doing. He's having a feast with the meat that's offered up as a sacrifice with a portion of it and he gives a double portion to Hannah. Why? Because he loves Hannah more than he does uh, uh, Penuel and uh, uh, Penea, but she gets a portion for herself and one for each of her sons and so uh, she still gets more even though Hannah gets a double portion. So Hannah's got this great conflict going on inside of her life. It's seen as a curse of God if you're unable to have a child. It's even more a curse if you're unable to have a male child. So she feels as though something's wrong. Why is God cursing me? Why has God closed up my womb? Why is God keeping me from having a child? And she's, she's battling those things. Plus, she's got an external battle with uh, her rival mate, uh, uh, She's having this rivalry going on with the second wife. She's having all of these conflicts and all these problems. And then on top of that, she's being uh, chided. She's being uh, uh, teased for the fact that she has no children. And so she desperately wants to fulfill her responsibility as a wife. She wants to have a child for her husband. She wants to be blessed. She wants to be considered to have been done, done doing the things that she was called upon to do. And so there's this conflict going on inside of her. You know, we face those things in our life as well. We face conflicts. We, we face difficulties and struggles. And this is why this applies to all of us. How does she deal with this uh, issue of being barren? Well, the, uh, the thing that she does is uh, found in the next verse. Uh, Hannah is there. She, she uh, allows this to, to get to her. So she, instead of uh, feasting with the rest of the family, she, uh, she says, well, I'm just not even going to eat. I'm not even going to worship. This is part of the worship practice of eating the, fe- uh, the feast. She says, I can't possibly do this while I, I've got this uh, conflict still going on in my life. So uh, she doesn't want to eat, and everybody notices it. So she, uh, she does a little bit in order to get everybody off of her case, uh, especially her husband. Um, but uh, she still has this problem. So she goes and she goes to the temple to, uh, to pray. Now, Eli is the priest. Now, Hophni and Phinehas are the two priests that are in uh, Shiloh, and they're the primary ones, but uh, we're going back to their father, Eli, who is the priest before, uh, before Samuel. And Eli is there, and he's in the 
vestibule of the church and he's noticing things. And that's what it says here. Uh, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the chair in the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle and deeply hurt, Hannah was prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember me and, uh, and not forget me and give your servant a son and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. So here's what we need to understand whenever we're in this situation. Whenever you have a problem, uh, the greatest thing you can do is take it to the Lord. Hannah is taking it to the Lord. She's there in the temple and she's praying and she's, she's making her petition known. And so she is... She's uh, making this petition known to God, and that's what we need to do whenever we have internal conflicts, whenever we have struggles with other people. The greatest thing that we can do is take it to God. Take it to Him. Allow God to take care of this. And so she's pleading her case before God. She's saying, God, why is it that I have no son? Why, why do I... Uh, she's, she's not blaming God. She's just simply saying... Please have pity on me, have mercy upon me, have uh, remember me, and don't allow me to go and through this and endure this. And she's uh, deeply hurt, and she's making her case before God, and so much so that she makes a vow. She says, God, if you'll just simply allow me to have a son, I'll dedicate him to you. Now, what she says next is, is that no uh, razor or touches here. This is reference to the Nazarite vow. Usually, whenever a person enters into a Nazarite vow, it's because of a situation that they're going uh, into. Throughout Old Testament Scripture, people would enter into a Nazarite vow, and it was related to war. But this is not war. This is, of course, a situation dealing within a family, dealing with a child. So... Nazarite vows were vows that were made until God answered the vow or throughout the terms of the vow. The person would not uh, cut their hair. And so they were very distinguishable. These were the uh, ones that had long hair. Uh, by the way, incidentally, <clears throat> the Bible says that Jesus was, uh, uh, was a Nazarene. And that's why in a lot of the uh, portraits of Jesus, you see him with long hair. It's not because it looked good and, and that person that was painting was a hippie and they said, oh, I'll fix these people. I'll make Jesus a hippie too. Make him with long hair. No, he had a Nazarite vow. That's why his hair is pictured as long. Not short like most other men. Now, every man didn't have short hair. I mean, long hair. Every man had uh, allowed his hair to be cut just like you and I do today. Um, I don't know what the fashions were, but the Nazarite vow was to allow your hair to grow long and not to drink alcohol uh, and, and also to do a few other things, but primarily it was about... Uh, now, if you remember Samson, remember Samson? He was a judge. He was a Nazarite. He was uh, dedicated to God before he was even born. And so his hair was long. Um, uh, so we have different ones in Scripture that are depicted as having a Nazarite vow, and Samuel is one of those. 
And she says, I will dedicate him to you, Lord, if you'll just allow me to have a son. And the idea is, is that if God would open her womb for one child, maybe He would open his, her womb for many other children to come afterwards. And so she declares to God, she makes a, a petition to God, but she also, uh, uh, in her fervent prayer, keeps her prayer focused on what it is. She's focused on the fact that... Uh, you know, she desires to, to serve God by having a child. And she does that through offering any child that may come to God. And we do the same thing we, in our prayer. We need to be fervent in our prayer. Never, uh, Whenever we have a problem, not only do we give our prayer over to God and, and give it over the situation over to God, but be fervent. Be fervent about it. She was so fervent, Hannah was, is that she was sitting there praying and her lips were moving and no sound was coming out. And Eli thinks that she is drunk. He, uh, well, because there's, why? Because uh, this is a time where people are coming to the temple for uh, offerings and there's a lot of feasts and there's a lot of drinking involved in uh, these feasts. And it was common that people would get drunk uh, because they would drink so many, uh, so much wine while they were having the feast that they would get drunk. And that's what Eli says uh, to her in verse 14. How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. And Hannah says in verse 15, No, my Lord, uh, I am a woman with a broken heart, and I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depths of my anguish and resentment. And so Eli responded, uh, go in peace. So she says uh, to the priest, I'm not drunk. I'm just simply pouring out my heart. I'm making my petition. And so uh, uh, Eli makes a promise. Uh, uh, I mean a a promise to Hannah. He says, Go in peace and may the Lord God of Israel grant you the petition of your request from Him. And so Eli says, God hears you. God hears your, uh, your prayer. Go in peace. And see, that's something else that we have to understand. Now, I'm not uh, going to sit here and tell you, you, you might sit there and say, well, what about the vow? What about the vow? Do I have to vow everything whenever I'm really fervently in prayer? No, uh, that's not, the vow is not a part of the, the package. The, the whole deal is, is that we have to be fervent in our prayer. We have to be committed to our prayer and committed to God and allow God to do His desire and His will. Hannah made a vow that, that Samuel would be given over to God uh, if she were granted a child, but uh, uh, it, it's not... Now, let me just say this. If you ever make a vow to God, make sure to pay it. Make sure to keep it up. Make sure if you ever tell God, "Oh God, if you'll just get me out of this," you know this is our wheeling and dealing with God. God, if you'll do this for me, I'll give you what's behind curtain number one. And God, if you'll do this for me, I'll give you what's behind curtain number two. Uh, no, uh, we're not wheeling. We're not money hall. We're not making a deal with God. Uh, you know, we don't. God's favor should not be something that we think that we can bargain with God to get. Uh, but Hannah's desire for a child was so great 
She's not bargaining like we would in terms of, God, if you'll just get me out of this, I'll do this, this, and this. This was an outpouring of her heart. She says, God, I want to give my all for you. Listen, she's in essence saying, I'm giving my all for you. I'm wanting to live for you. And this is uh, epitomized in the fact that she's willing uh, for her son. It's not for me. Now, get this. What was the whole purpose behind having a, a son? To have an heir. To take care of... And an heir was always there. Uh, a, a son was supposed to be there for the mother when the father passed away. The son was to take care of... The, you know, having a child was more than just having an heir that would take over the family business and carry on things. It was all about the security of the mother after the father passes away, the son is supposed to come along and take care of the, child, uh, of the mother, make sure she uh, has food, make sure she has a roof over her head. Why? Women don't have... We don't have welfare going on during the time of, of Hannah and Samuel. Uh, the, their way of taking care of those people as they got older was to have a child. And she's saying, God, I'm wanting this child to be of service to you. I want my life to be of service to you. So much so, I'm willing for him to be yours, not mine. She says, this is not, it's not a selfish, she's not praying selfishly. She's praying fervently to serve God. God, I want to serve you. I want my child to be of service to you. I want my child to be useful to you. And so she makes the vow. So when uh, Eli comes to her and says, uh, Your go in peace, may the God of Israel grant your petition you've requested of him. She, listen to what she says. May your servant find favor with you. Now she's talking about herself. May your servant find favor with you. Then Hannah went away and ate and no longer appeared downcast. This is the uh, last lesson that we'll learn from Hannah this morning. And that is, when we make a request to God, and when we're praying about something, we need to act as if God has heard our prayer. We need to live as, according to... You believe that God is able to answer your prayer? then you need to, to act as if you really believe that. There's so many times when we pray, Oh God, help me this, help me that. And we continue to pray and pray and pray and pray, never believing and never putting to practice what we actually believe. We, we sit there and, and beg and, and, and plead. And here Hannah, uh, yes, she's received an answer, but she didn't have the baby in hand at the moment. But she's received an answer from God. Eli has said, go in peace. God will grant you your, your request. So she immediately goes and eats and acts as if uh, God ha has truly uh, you know, plopped a baby in her hand at this moment, although He hasn't. So... Um, we see a formula for our lives when we have 
problems, when we have conflict, we offer it up to God. We give to God our, our burdens. We allow Him to take care of our needs. Hannah was, was faithful to God in that when God granted her request, what did she do? You can read later in, in that chapter. You'll read in chapter 2 uh, that she offers her son Samuel to God as soon as he's weaned and as soon as he's able to leave the home uh, she offers him up to God and takes him to Eli to be uh, a priest in his home and to offer him over uh, to God so we see that she fulfills and follows up and pays uh, her vow to God we need to when, when God when we petition God when we pray to God we need to be fervent. We need to, to pray believing. We need to be committed to God. And when He answers our prayer, we need to, uh, we need to live as if God is, has fulfilled us, uh, our request. We need to, to pray believing and we need to act uh, accordingly. When we lay our petition before God, we need to simply give it over to Him. We need to turn it over to Him and allow Him. Mothers, uh, how does this deal with you in particularly? A lot of you mothers, you have a lot. You carry around a lot of worries for your children. You carry around all these burdens for your children as they're growing up. I don't know. I guess fathers, we we tend to allow other things to distract us so much, and we just think, oh well, they'll just they'll turn out okay. Uh, but you mothers, you you tend to worry about all these little things about uh, what's what's my child going to do, where are they going, and all that kind of thing, and and. Uh, Men are more reactionary, I guess. But uh, uh, you need to pray your burdens. Give your burdens over to God. Allow Him to deal with your issues and your problems. Be fervent in your prayer. And, and allow God to answer your prayer. And live accordingly when He does. When he, and let me just say this about prayer. When God, uh, when we make, when we pray to God, God's not always going to say yes, does He? He doesn't always say yes. It's hard to to hear God say no, but we need to accept the, the answer that God gives us when He gives it to us. We need to accept the answer when it's yes, and 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 start living according to to God answering our prayer, even though it might not have been fulfilled at that moment. When God says yes, we need to pray. Uh, we need to continue to live accordingly, uh, believing that God has answered our prayer. But uh, in, in the same way, when God says no, we need to simply leave it alone and realize that's God's answer. But then there's a, a, another answer that God may give. And listen, God's not a, a divine uh, Mr. Eight Ball. We don't simply sit there and pray and shake God and say, okay, what are you going to give me? One of three answers, yes, no, or maybe. But God does sometimes tell us to hold off. God sometimes says, I'm not going to answer you now. You're not ready. It's not time. It's not my perfect time. But that's the other answer that God gives us from time to time. God gives us a yes, God gives us a no, and God says, you need to wait. You're not ready. It's not time. And so we need to, uh, to realize that God answers our prayers in different ways, and we need to accept them, and we need to live our life accordingly when God does answer our prayers. 
And so Hannah is an example of a godly mother, a mother who gave her all so that God... And God did use Samuel. Uh, if you'll continue reading in Samuel, uh, first and Second Samuel, you'll see God did great things through Samuel. God affected the whole nation through this, this child. That Hannah was faithful to continue to fervently ask and pray uh, for from God and dedicate to God when He did come. Imagine if she hadn't have fulfilled her vow to God and not given Samuel over. Imagine what Israel would have been like if Samuel hadn't have been there, if God hadn't have had Samuel offered over to him. Do you? Well, you know, a lot of things would have been different. And so we need to also be fervent in our prayers, be committed to, to God, be faithful to God to do what God calls us to do. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You for so many things and we thank You for this example that You've given to us and Your uh, faithful servant, Hannah, in her life as a mother, a mother who committed herself to service to You, a mother who gave of herself so that her son uh, would be useful to Your purpose and not just to herself. Lord, we pray that You'll uh, bless us that we might too have the same fervent desire to live for You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.